This is a Soulfire production. I have one of my incredible new friends, Gertrude Lyons, on the line today. She is a life coach, speaker, and mothering revolutionary. Um, I have had the honor of getting to know her and her husband, Rich, and her beautiful daughters. She has created an amazing family. And it's very rare that I find somebody that I look up to in terms of the life that they've built professionally and personally in terms of their relationships with their spouse and their kids and also what they've created in their their business. And and Gertrude and her family are are one of those those families and I'm just really grateful that she said yes to being on the line today. Um she has been coached and has been doing personal growth work for over 30 years, which is crazy. I know so many people on the line are on this personal growth path and they, you know, they're just getting started. And she's been doing this for 30 years, whether it's, you know, personal growth coaching in her relationship and her emotional intelligence. She has her uh, doctorate um, from the Wright University, which is an emotional intelligence university. And she really deep dove into the exploration around this conversation called motherhood. And she's created this whole um, brand and movement called rewriting the mother code. And me over here, I'm single. I'm excited to bring in my life partner and build my family. And I know so many people on the line are creating conversations in their life or they're yearning for more. How they're asking questions like, how can I have it all? Right. I know we've talked so much in, in, in birthing a new world, what that really means. Like, like yes, driving and working inside of the masculine, but also bringing in these feminine qualities and, and having our lives really work for us and feel very nurturing. I think that that's what 2020 taught all of us. What are our core values and what's really important to us? And how do I want to feel at the end of the day? And when I think about somebody that's built a life and a career, integrating those two, uh, Gertrude is one of those amazing people. So I'm so excited to have you on here. Gertrude, thank you for saying yes to this conversation. reflect yourself back to you. I think I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, is that me? Wow. Like in some, I'm so proud of, and some I'm like, Oh, you know, it's always a work in progress, you know, getting coaching over 30 years. Like, you know, the old paradigm is like, well, you get coaching when you're broken, you go to therapy to get fixed and then, and then everything's great, you know? And, and that's just not the paradigm I've de decided to live in. And mm -hmm. it's more, life is, you know, a journey, lifelong learner, right? From an internal perspective and external. Uh, so I've, I, I've just kind of decided to be more of a student of life and, and, you know, diving in deep. And there certainly have been plateaus and ups and downs, you know, in that journey that you're speaking of. But I will say that it, it, you know, that's a whole other thing, but it is an attitude, right? And how we're living our life and so much of being old is a choice. I'm discovering that, right? Because it doesn't mean it's it's always easy when you see your body and things changing because it does happen. But you would never know that the way you live your life. You know, you have an amazing place here in Chicago. You have an amazing place in Mexico. You're traveling. You're, you're, you have your own podcast. It's like you're in your 50s and you've, I mean, reinvented yourself. You just told me before this, you were in finance, you know, and now you're you're in this whole personal growth world. It's like so cool to watch you reinvent yourself with such grace at your age. I know so many people could have the conversation. Well, 
I'm too old or, you know, I missed my shot or whatever their conversation is. So, well, it's, you know, Rich and I decided a, a, a long time ago that retirement wasn't really a, a, in our vocabulary and he sold his business. He had an e-commerce um, business called Lions Consulting. And he grew that business uh, over 15 years into a real, like really the, the top of the line e-commerce. I can brag about him, but there came a point in the marketplace where it's like, if we don't kind of join or, you know, join one of these bigger guys, we might not exist. So he very successfully sold that business um, in 2017 to Capgemini. And everybody was like, well, aren't you going to retire? You know, what it, you know, now you can just like hang out. It just kind of boggled our mind, right? That that is such a mindset. And it doesn't mean things won't shift or change or will work differently or, you know, who knows? I don't know what I'm going to feel like in my seventies, but my dad worked until he was 75. And I, I just think you need to stay engaged in life. Totally. You guys are such amazing. That's why you guys look and you vibe so young. Thank you. Yeah. No, I would say my relationship is one of the things I'm most proud of because we've consistently worked on it. Um, even though I will say that that working on it did involve plateaus, did involve us focusing, over-focusing on our kids more than our relationship at times, but there was always a current of commitment. You know, we've always done couples coaching. You know, we've always stayed either on our edge or keeping ourselves above water, right? Because it's really easy to go your separate ways when you're building a business and raising a family. Um, but, you know, I would say it was a huge gift, uh, Laura, that COVID brought because our daughters are 22 and 24. So they're at that point, you know, they're leaving, right? And and you're kind of, and we were happy new empty nesters, you know, and we were discovering like, yeah, I do really still like you. And then the pandemic happens and we're kind of thrown back together. Right. And one of the tenets of rewrite the mother code is that these, any of these tumultuous times in our life or these chaotic times, and that can be, you know, having a child, but it can also be starting a new business or some new, you know, thing that comes into your life that causes a lot of upheaval and upset is the ripest time for your personal transformation. Our minds say, no, this is the time to like hunker in and just, you know, be safe. Um, but you're, you're kind of automatically opened up anyway. And this was coaching with Dr. Bob Wright of the Wright Foundation. And he gave us an assignment to pair up and share with the other pair everything that we hate about them. What? For a half hour each. Like, oh yeah. Like we broke it up. We, it would, that just seemed like a lot. So anyway, details, we did 15 minutes, 15 minutes, but, um, a lot of it wasn't a surprise. You know, when you put the, like these truths that you think like saying out loud are going to be so scary, but none of much of it was like, yeah, well, I knew you felt that way. Or I knew, you know, I knew that about me. Um, but some of it wasn't, and some of it, you know, hurt and mm. it brought, you know, truths to the table that, and we did it in two rounds. And when we came back, like we were kind of excited to do it this next time. Well, you know, based on what you said, what about this? And, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tearing up now because I, I think, you know, truth is something that in a family system is hard to come by. My family system I grew up in was, you know, you just, you didn't talk about much of anything, you know, let, but the, what you did was put up a good front to everybody out there. And if there were issues, nobody was supposed to know about them. And we don't even talk about them amongst ourselves. And it was really lonely. And a big part of my journey was kind of un, 
it, and I think it is for anybody who goes on this kind of path is, you know, to go back and look at that, not to like blame your family or your parents, but to look at and really be willing to dive into, you know, what, what you couldn't deal with at the time, because you're a kid and you're surviving, right? It's your formation and you, you're not going to be certain ways and you're going to adapt because it's survival, right? How am I going to get attention and what I need in this family? So, you know, looking at that for yourself so that you can come to know you, um, then, you know, when it, when it was our turn to kind of go back and have them look at it and look at us as parents and look at, you know, our relationships, it was so revealing, but then it brought us closer, you know, and I think that's the key, right? Is those darker truths and not just, you know, we're very encouraging. We're very empowering cheerleaders of each other when we're going for it and all that, you know, that's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy. That's not always easy, but that one we've practiced, you know, telling each other more just straight up, you know, what we like and don't like, um, is a muscle that we're just, you know, that we're working on. So, I mean, that's so amazing. And I've, and I've been able to witness like your daughters and because they've grown up in this environment, they're so honest. Like I was just having these conversations with others. I'm like, who are these girls? They're free and they're honest and they're clear and they're sure of themselves. It just like, it changes uh, their relationship, I feel like, to the world and, and their own confidence inside of themselves because they know how to navigate their own truth, right? And it's so funny talking to your husband about how you guys have parented and, and you guys are hilarious. I took, I told him I'm going to take I'm going to take, I don't know if I'm going to take the the 30 minutes of saying everything you hate into my family, but, but maybe, maybe, maybe we'll go five. But he said when they would get in trouble, um, he would have them do things that like he wanted done for himself. I'm like, that's genius. I'm like why lock them in the room? He's like, I had them organize all my CDs, all my uh, books in alphabetical order. And it was like them getting in trouble were my chores that I wanted done. And I would laugh. So hard. I'm like, I'm taking that one. You guys are funny. You guys do some funny things as a family, including <laughs> sitting around the table sharing this stuff. I mean, how did that end up? Did everybody end up feeling freer and, and more connected at the end of that? We knew it was good, but we weren't like we weren't feeling like great. Like, oh, isn't this wonderful? It really took us kind of then sitting with it a little bit, um, and then we did another round. And in that one, you know, somehow the like letting it sink in a little bit and being with ourselves and and with each other. Um, that one we ended up having more fun with, you know, mm -hmm. kind of even like allowing some humor into it. It wasn't so serious. Uh, and there's something about when just those truths are on the table and everybody knows that it's like a weight's lifted off. Totally. And, and taking feedback is a big part of personal growth in life and business. And it's like, how do I take this feedback and not make it mean something not without taking it personal? You know, it's like, this doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but this behavior can be shifted. Right. Rather than say like, I'm not a bad mom. I'm not a, a terrible human. I, I more get to shift this behavior or this, this way of doing X, Y, and Z. And I think that that's a big skill to learn not to take things personally. Well, and that led to a second assignment then. So, you know, we talked about that then with Dr. Bob and he's like, you know, great, you know, good work. We underlined some points. And then, you know, a lot of this was looking at like what roles we each play in the family. And that's a whole family systems paradigm. And I coach families in that paradigm to like, look at, you know, if you think of your family as a factory or a business, you know, or, or a town, right? And you think about the roles that are in that town, we're all 
you know, fitting in somewhere right? mm-hmm. and, you know, someone will be the mayor, someone will be the cop, someone will uh, be the cheerleader, um, you know, and, and, uh, and we have many, right. We don't have just one, the, the caretaker, things like that. And we have emotional roles, right. Um, right. So we, we'd identified that when our kids were little, right. That Hannah holds the anger, Morgan holds the fear. I hold more of the hurt, rich, held more of like this, I would say like kind of the sadness, you know, we knew that like to try and shift those roles and to have not one person hold that all the time, if that makes sense. So that came up again. Um, So between these dynamics and the things that were pointed out, our next assignment was to be someone else in the family for the day, right? So we've shifted around like, so one day I was rich, rich was Morgan, Morgan was Hannah, and then uh, Hannah was me. And it was so enlightening, right? Like you, 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 it one, it gave you credit. It allowed you to see like, oh yeah, that's like, those are the things I do or how I am that are, are good, but also like just, you know, to kind of see some of your other aspects that are reflected, but then to hold someone else's role, like, wow, I really see how, you know, Rich holds the anxiety or, you know, mm-hmm. certain things in the family and the doing like the masculine, right. Mm-hmm. He very much holds a masculine. So to take that on, you know, for, for him. And then he was like super talkative, you know, taking up space and like, you know, just like, Oh, you know, okay, I'm not going to do that. And yeah, you know, and it was really cool. Right. Cause we just want to be more flexible. I love it. So you and Rich and you've been doing this personally for your marriage. You've been doing it personally for yourself and you brought it into your family and it's played a big role in life and business. So, so many people on the line are on that journey. So what would you say to someone who's building business with their husband, with their wife, who, you know, has some type of a relationship with the significant other and they're, they're trying to figure this thing out? Like what have been your biggest lows and how did you get through them? I would say probably, well, there's a couple junctures that I guess I would talk about that with. Um, One at the beginning, you know, noticing habits that don't serve us as a couple, like I'll say this first, like building some habits and some awareness of what it takes to be a strong couple. So then, you know, when you're off for us, that included, we did a lot of work with, uh, Dr. Judith Wright on soft addictions. And that was a big deal, right? So what are the things that are in the way of us having the time we need together so that as we added children and added rich, having his own business and, you know, me in school and then career, aspects of that, like, um, what were baselines that we could build on to keep us, to, to give us muscles that we could use like through that. Um, and those were things like setting up that we always had a date once, at least once a week with or without kids, right? It didn't, we did that before kids and it was very telltale. And we kept that going really pretty well with our first daughter, with our second. Um, I would say that's when things really started to like hit and make things uh, not make things, uh, you know, we were responsible. Our second daughter came right around the time that Rich decided to leave, uh, the, comp- the IT firm that he had been working with for a number of years and start his own company. Uh, and you know, we had this young family, we have, uh, him starting a new business. I decided to leave the company I had been working on the economic consulting. And I was deciding, and probably going to pivot, you know, more toward coaching in some way and was about to start school um, and getting my master, my first master's in psychology. So all of that was happening and um, it was a lot, you know, I would say this was probably our lowest point. Uh, and I don't even know until like later that now looking back on it was aware of how hard and low it was, but 
it's where I, um, I was really kind of the leader in the family of like taking on new growthy type things. Right. And, uh, keeping us on that. And I didn't want to, I stopped wanting to rock the boat. I have these two little kids, you know, we have a new business, like this is scary shit. And I didn't even realize how scared I was um, Mm. until later. And I, I did now, I think what made a big difference is now I was, I, that's when I decided to work at the right foundation and I was enveloped by a growth community, right? And my job was to coach and my job was to uh, take on and foster our parenting and couples program there. So there was a certain way I had a stake in the game and it could keep some maintenance going. Um, but despite efforts, uh, you know, by Bob and, and some coaching to say like, you know, you guys are overly focusing on your kids. And now looking back and I'd say enrich overly focusing on the business, but we had enough of those disciplines to kind of keep us at least at a, a maintenance, you know, not reverting like really far back level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, you know, it was, there were some wake up calls along the way. I would say going, you know, me going back to school, me staying involved um, in my own growth work, but there was still a way I lost myself in my kids. And that ended up being, you know, once they got into high school, college, where I, I really woke up to like just how much I had done that, right? Because we were, we, we parented very consciously, like the things you're talking about, like there were, there were ways our relationship and our family life was that was still be, miles beyond anything I could have imagined or, or had a paradigm for. So it's, I talk about it kind of from both ways, right? It was like, that was lovely and wonderful, but there was this whole aspect of like leaving myself behind in my, from my own transformation perspective. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much more possible in that fear that I hit of, you know, having two little ones and kind and feeling kind of lost and not wanting to rock the boat or. Right. How do you put yourself first without having that guilt? So that's, that's uh, now, you know, that's when I decided this whole rewrite the mother code and what, you know, this putting yourself in that it's a, it's a choice, but it is a continuous turning toward that, which scares you the most. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We all mother in our own way. So how do we better understand our personal mother code so we can rewrite it? Great question, Laura. Thanks. Um, we all mother in our lives. And that and that is something that came out of my doctoral work that uh, I had heard over the years through my work on the feminine, you know, in my in my woman journey and feminine value journey of with Dr. Judith Wright around you know, that we all do mother, you know, whether you have children or not, you're mothering your career, you're, you might mother a child, you're mothering a relationship, dreams, you know, that aspect of the feminine is mothering. So whether you, we all give birth, create, and, you know, raise all sorts of things in our life. And that was, you know, such an eye-opening paradigm and one that really resonated with with women in the doctorate. But where I so I call that like rewriting the cosmic code of it. Mm-hmm. So that's expanding the definition of mothering. And, you know, women should feel every right to hold it that way and call it that. I have so many friends that know that they don't want kids. I have so many friends that know that they do want kids. I have so many friends that are in the consideration of potentially having kids. I have friends that are like, my business is my child. Great. How do we support that and, and nurture that? 
you know, when I work with women, whether it's in coaching or at a talk, or I I just did my first mastermind, uh, that was another huge gift of 2020 that I'm super excited about to do again this year. But we, we, I look at it through these three areas, right? It's rewriting our childhood code, rewriting uh, the cultural code, and then rewriting the cosmic code, which I just touched on. But childhood code is really looking at what is that and I say it from the framework of making choices. So if we're looking at making choices around mothering and you know who or what or how do I want my mothering journey to be? And, and like you said, there's some women who say like, I know I don't want to have kids. And then I was one of those like, of course I know I want to have kids. But how did I come to that? Let's actually really explore that because some people are like, oh, I've known since I was three, I want to you know have like this big family. Like, well, that didn't happen in a vacuum, right? And that exploration in itself is super revealing. And, and, you know, you could have already made the choice, but still look, look back. And uh, so knowing that how we were mothered, the atmosphere we grew up in, that the wiring, because we're wired, you know, from zero to two years, all of our basic wiring about how we approach the world, how we think the world is going to approach us, beliefs about ourselves are already wired in. So and then we just, through our formation and through our upbringing, those get reinforced, right? So now we have some pretty, you know, pretty wired in beliefs about who I am, how I think, you know, this, this whole game is going to go. So then we get there and without that exploration to go and kind of unravel and unpack like more of, and, and it's a healing journey, right? It's, it's also detective. It's, it, it's painful. It's, beautiful. It's, you know, it's that journey of looking and uncovering so we can have some of the feelings that we didn't have before. So it's really diving into our unconscious so that we can always question ourselves whenever we say like, I know I want this, or I know I want that. Like there's always more to it than that. If we're willing to look, I really want us to make more critically thought choices, you know, in our lives then once you've made one choice, then there's a myriad of choices that come with that, right? So, you know, I I use uh, the right developmental model, um, other aspects of training that I've had to help, you know, bring that forth and have have us start really looking at that and and seeing how deep do we want to go in that. But even just... Even just exploring it is amazing. I'm like doing it in my mind and I'm having like these visions right now. It's like, I grew up in this amazing family and there's things that I know that I want to create that look completely different partially because I have been able to explore the world and, and be honest with myself and have real questions on, on what feels right to me, what feels aligned, what feels explorative and fun and true and what feels like I'm just doing something because I should or, or go back into a box that people expect. Right. Um, and and environmentally, you know, even living in the, the Midwest, it's funny, I was in California for so long, 10 years coming back to the Midwest. It's like, oh, like people are way more settled. Everybody has, you know, their first home and their partner and their first baby and a dog. And I'm like, I feel like an outlier a lot of times, you know? And then I'm like, am I going to put myself in that box to feel a part of, of a construct around me? Or am I going to hold true to what I know my heart wants and the life that I want to create? And it's challenging even through doing the work, being in an environment that might show something different. No, that, that's beautifully said, uh, Laura. And so those that kind of thinking, you know, even if we've had really positive and, and you've shared a little bit and you've had, you know, the support and so much that was positive about your your family system and your mm-hmm. upbringing, um, 
but sometimes even that it's like, well, then am I supposed to do it just like that? You know, and, and can I even measure up? And maybe I just right. won't do that because I don't think I can do it as, I mean, it's really, so then we can make more conscious choices mm-hmm. and ultimately in those choices, the ultimate goal is like, how present can I be then in the choices I made? with the people I'm with, whether it's my kids, whether it's my employees, you know, my friends, uh, whatever it is that I'm, you know, mothering in my life, how we really want to get to presence in, in all of this, right? This whole transformation is so I can peel away layers that allow me to have like those treasured moments of true presence. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that can take a lot, but you were also touching on the third aspect, which is the cultural code, right? People, you know, different ages and, you know, not settling down right away and, you know, having it all in a different way or not, it's not right or wrong, but the culture then, you know, even though we're, we've come so far in so many ways of like women having choices about whether they want to have a family, get married and all of that. We're not that far, right? Like it's first woman in the white house today, you know, and look what that took and what it's going to continue to do. Yeah, take, right. right? Um, but how, you know, what are the messages we still get from the culture, both of, you know, having a family, not having a family and then how to have that family or how not to have that family and what that's supposed to look like. And as you mentioned, right, there's the Instagram picture of it where everybody's just mostly showing like, look how beautiful we are and, and not sharing like the, the mess of it all. And, you know, we're starting to move, but, you know, I, I was around a friend who's decide, you know, made the choice that she's not going to have children and she's really focusing on her business. Um, and I happened to be out with her. I think like over the course of a couple of days, there had to have been like five people that asked her, asked her when she was having a child. Wow. It's that's so hard when people put their projections on you. It's challenging. Right. And, and, but now she's done some work so that she's not taking it personally. Yeah. And any of these choices, like how do I not, how do I take care of myself in that in a way that's responsible and also in a way that, you know, affirms me in my choice, right. isn't defensive, isn't just, you know, um, so there's, you know, the model kind of helps you uh, really like see those as, you know, little like small steps, each one of those as a way to, you know, grow yourself and then not, you know, feel like you have to make this choice because of the pressure of the culture, the pressure of your family, you know, anyone that you're going to deal with pressure somewhere, you know, and judgment. Mm -hmm. How do I deal with that for myself? And what do I really, really want? Totally. So beautiful that you're really guiding people back to themselves to really choose for themselves, because I think we can become really resentful and unhappy later on and age and just feel like, why did I live like a fake life? Like wake up and you're 40 or 50 and be like, what, what have I done? You know? And that's okay if somebody is there. Cause we can always choose differently. My, um, dad just wrote his first book. It'll be published soon. Dad, this is, this is a reminder for you to get this in the streets. Okay. In people's hands. Um, and it was around his family system, um, which took a turn. So his parents were together for, I believe 50 years. And then grandfather put the divorce papers on the front door, went, younger woman out for many years, super far from the family, very, very little to no communication for, let's call it 10 to 15 years in my understanding, right? I just remember a few, few calls here and there. Uh, two years ago, came back home. Grandmother 
hook him in, back together. It's just so interesting to watch our choices and how we can always make a new choice. And it was, I honor my grandmother all the time because for her, it was always true to have him in. Always true, no matter what happened, you know? And, and she'll call me all the time and be like, I'm being too nice. And I'm like, no, it's your truth. Like you've always loved this man, you know? And um, I just find it so fascinating that our choices can lead us here and there. And we can always come back home to what's true for us, no matter where we're at. Exactly. And, you know, going back, when you say that about choice, like, you know, what did we get out of like telling each other, like our resentments and what we didn't like about each other, what we hate right. um, is now we have more choice, right? I have more, I have choice in how I'm going to hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I have, they've kind of expanded my view, like anything that's going to expand my um, concept of myself, concept of the world of them, And, you know, now we have choice to be more truthful with each other on an ongoing basis. So we don't let it build. Totally. Totally. And I think people can keep that in for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm out, right? I'm out or like explode with anger or experience a fraction, like fragment of their mind and and experience like a, a blip of mental illness, you know, because we don't yet completely feel adapt to sharing and expressing truthfully, consistently. And that's what we're learning how to do, how to be in conversation and have truthful conversation with grace, sharing, receiving that information. I mean, it's been so hard for me to do that. You know, it it takes, it's not easy for anyone, but it's a practice. Like you said, it's totally a practice, you know, and, um, and a choice to open yourself to it because we have this, you know, we have this false self. We have these parts of ourselves that have been affirmed along the way. And those are the ones we like to like get affirmation about. But then the minute, you know, somebody says something that doesn't fit that, this paradigm I have of myself, it rocks our world, even though we know it's true. Yeah, totally. A practice that a lot of entrepreneurs on the line have had, and if you don't, you can consider weaving it in, is to just ask people in their organization and their team, hey, please share with me exactly like how my leadership was, like rate me and, and how would you like me to shift, you know, and, and really, really taking feedback about their leadership from people that they trust and care about inside of their business. It's amazing. So you talk a lot about um, reconnecting and awakening the maternal power that's inside of all of us. And, you know, something that I look to you is how to really integrate that feminine, whether you're a man, you're a woman, and and awakening to that, which is a lot of what we're talking about, the truth, like really uncovering what it, what our real yearnings are and, and quieting ourselves long enough to, to really hear those. Um, but I would love to hear what you personally do and what you teach others to do to reconnect and awaken to the maternal power inside of them. When this expanded definition of mothering and we mother so many in our life, so many aspects of our life, but the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. Mm. And that ends up being always farther, way farther down on the list than it, than it actually should be. We've all heard the metaphor a zillion times, put your oxygen mask on first. And then those around you are like, ha ha. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really true. Right. It's, it's, a hundred percent true. How, if I'm not breathing, how am I going to provide any kind of care and support? And that's one of those cultural paradigms, right? Of, of 
I have 14 myths of mothering and, and several of them are some angle into the fact like, well, if you decide to have a child or put your focus in that one place, like that's, that's where, that's the most important thing. Oh yeah. And then if you're in a relationship, like that's the second most important thing, you know, and then you take care of your own needs. Um, you know, any aspect of that where we feel like we have to give of ourselves hundred percent selflessly. And then if there's anything left over, um, we'll take it, but we, we just, it doesn't work. Right. And that's where, you know, women feel burnt out women. We, um, in this feminine aspect, right. And, and men can do the same thing. This isn't, uh, but the, so this maternal part of us is, if we think about aspects of like the mother archetype, right. Or the mother, uh, paradigm, even, in religious cultures or goddess cultures, right? There, there, there isn't one aspect, right? There isn't like, oh, here's the mother. The mother is, cause you might see like mother Mary or, um, I mean, I think she is one that, you know, where you, and there's other, there've been other aspects along the way of her where it's this caring, nurturing, nourishment part of ourselves. And that's super important right? That's so beautifully feminine, right? Oh, Kuan Yin. Let's, I think of those two as, as these um, superpowers of compassion, of, of holding whole, uh, yourself and others whole and complete. Um, but that's only one aspect of mothering. But just in that aspect, there are practices we can do you know, for ourselves. And one that I wish I had had more honed when I was hitting those fear points with my second daughter and, you know, in mothering at that point was my own self-soothing, right? Mm-hmm. It was, would have been my own, like, uh, whether, and, and asking for it from outside, but we, we really need to learn how to like give ourselves so much of this stuff. Um, and then, you know, also get it from, from those that care about us and that, but to, to say things to ourselves like, Oh, sweetie, you know, this, that you're having a hard, this is hard. Right. And how do we, so what's that voice, right? What's that nourishing mother voice that we can, that we really can have for ourselves. And when you think about like, well, how would you, you know, I, whenever I coach uh, parents, I, I, one of the things that's, simple but not easy to do is put yourself next to your child and say to little you everything that you're saying to your child because we'll give our child things that we don't give ourselves right and that could be encouragement you know being with them when they're struggling and that's where we call you can you know grow yourself up with your children but that could be with an employee that could be you know with a friend that you're giving of yourself but that that's a way in any time that you are giving that you can still get more something for yourself along the way so there's a lot of practices like that but but that mother paradigm is also you know there's that mother bear there's that protective there's that you know don't f with me um you know you're not messing with me you're not messing with anything i care about and you know, we need that for ourselves as well. We need to be that, that advocate, you know, that would be more like Kali in, in the, in the, um, Indian Kali or Durga. Uh, there's a couple that I've gotten to know, Oya and Yamaya are in the African culture that are really beautiful also. So, you know, what are those divine aspects that I need to cultivate in myself so that, I can really harness like all those superpowers of what we kind of 
lump into mother, right? And uh, and so we can expand that beyond like mothering's just you know tending to and providing this unconditional love. Um, yeah, it can be that, but you got to give it to yourself first. Totally, totally. And I know you do that through like you always have a personal coach. You're like I have a personal trainer. I have my my practices. I I have my quiet time. I have my sacred space. I know you have your beautiful morning routine that you do. You have amazing practices in place and like you've set your own self up for success so you can grow that container. I'm thinking about myself and the, as you're saying this, I'm like, wow, like I have been able to mother a lot of people and create big containers. People have often said to me as a reflected, reflected back to me as a compliment, like you can hold space very well. And I'm like, and I'm like, wow. Um, how can I do that? And I'm like, there's times when I can't, like, it almost feels like, um, I'm like, I've got like, it's a, a pure emptiness, a pure emptiness where like, I can't hold space anymore. I can't like, like I've gotten to my E and it's, how do I fill up so much where that I never get on E, you know, how is it a consistent practice? So I can continue to grow my container. I can, can hold for others. I can, have my and it's having those systems, you know, in in place for myself. Those those daily activities. Masculine, right? The masculine yeah. is that system, that structure that we then can come and be in, and that's where disciplines are such a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, but that's a masculine aspect in service of the feminine, we, which we started this conversation with, which I we were talking about because I think so long I through transformation, it's like, man, maybe I have been too much a driver, maybe I haven't allowed myself space, but that's such a beautiful, like, as you put it, the mat using the masculine, masculine in service of the feminine, using the masculine in service of the feminine. What are other ways we can do that? I mean, practical ways that we're looking at is, and this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and you might be in different places. People might be in different places around their, um, relationship with their emotions, but I come from a framework where I identify five primary emotions, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. The, the, the closer, the, the more real relationship I can have from everywhere, from identifying those emotions to sharing those, recognizing them, uh, and then sharing them and then fully expressing them. Right. So that's, that's kind of a, a big thing I'm putting out there. Um, but it's a big, important one. And I think none of this is possible without that. And knowing that they're all important and all good, you know, I think so, so long it was like, okay, so anger and under anger is sadness, but like, I don't want to feel sadness. Sadness is a bad emotion. No, all of it is life. All of it is beautiful and all of it is us. So a practice that, um, we started and we, we, we really started it when we had kids, but now that our kids are, we actually do it with our grown kids and we, do it just rich and I do it as a, as one of our disciplines. We actually have a spreadsheet of disciplines Wow, for our couple that we, so we can, and this is where my husband has been, you know, so brilliant in sales, um, because of his disciplines and his system. So his book that'll come out, uh, it's in the works of being right. It's called life is sales, but one that we track and measure is do, have we talked five minutes and five minutes with each other? every day um, about non-logistical things. But the other one is doing something called playing the feelings game. You know, it, it sounds uh, kind of obvious, but so what we do is each person has the opportunity to share where they felt 
each one of those emotions at least at one point in their day. So it, it builds that muscle of identifying the emotion. Sometimes you even like get in the space of having the emotion and get to be in it, you know, while you're sharing it. But as a family growing up, it allowed us a window into each other's day that was so different than how was your day? Right. That's such a simple thing that everybody on the line can add in with their business partner, with their partner, with their, yeah, with themselves. You know, doing that consistently, you know, as, cause it, one, it honors, you know, the, your emotions in general, it helps you get closer to each other. Um, and you're, you're building on that language now, you know, from there, then you, we want to be able to access those and in the moment and spontaneously, but the more you have that flow and rhythm, you're more likely to be present to your deeper emotions when they come. Totally. We're not stifling them down. We're saying it's okay to have these and we're not pushing them down. And then when our kids have strong emotions, we're better able to deal with it or totally employees or, you know, people that were customers that we're dealing with, we have more capacity um, and a, a bigger range of how in many ways to like deal with our own emotions so we can deal with theirs. Totally. Totally. This has been so valuable. Um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Because I know there's a lot of younger yous on the line. I mean, the advice that I did take was go on a growth journey. Okay. So I would give that advice again, a hundred percent. Right. But I think I would tell myself uh, that getting in touch with my wants and following them um, and having a perspective that isn't so outside focused and what other people thought of me um, and even people that I highly respected, like when right. they thought of me um, and, and not be so reliant on having that choose my direction that yeah. I would have been you know, done whatever next levels of work I needed to do to really get solid in that space. So beautiful. What does it mean to you to live an activated life? Oh, well, that's such a beautiful, cool word that, so when I hear activated, I hear engaged and alive, right? And two principles that you know, when people say like, what do I, what am I going to do with my life? Like, that's something you can do. Like just you saying that now I got more activated, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm more engaged in what I'm saying now. I have goosebumps. You know, that's like, I hear act, how to live an activated life is like in any moment, how engaged am I? How present am I? And what can I do in this next moment to choose more of that and live purposely from that perspective? Like is living an activated life is would be a very purposeful life. Amen. Amen. And you're definitely an example of that. Where can we find you? All right. Well, I am a number of places. So I'm on Instagram is at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I have a website, www.drgertrudelyons, and it's dr, dr. Gertrude Lyons. I have a podcast, Rewrite the hey. Mother Code um, with Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And, um, and so within those, you'll see, you know, all the ways that we could work together, whether that's coaching, whether it's a talk, whether it's my upcoming mastermind, um, any of those ways. Thank you so much, Gertrude. I appreciate you. Laura, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. 
If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.